It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Great news. Guy will be back on Monday. This is the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for spending this portion of your day with us. Big news day, a lot to cover this hour. Guy Benson offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective, blending major newsmakers, including a steady stream of Fox News all-stars. Griff Jenkins will join us just a little bit from now. And uh, he's done he's done the best work on the southern border, border issues in general, than any media person, I would say in America, sure, but even beyond. Uh, just been fantastic, his coverage. He's got a Fox News special, a Fox Nation special that's coming out that's going to be incredible, I hear. The Guy Benson Show, one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Well, there's no way to put this. Good thing this isn't the happy hour yet because there's no way to make this happy. The Biden administration, the president himself, President Biden's first year in office, just a trail of broken promises on everything, not just COVID-19, but COVID-19 spectacularly so. When you go, it is really rarefied stuff. When you go from, quote, I will shut the virus down, not to mention all the horrifically critically things, critical things that he said about President Trump, who just left President Biden in in his wake, in the dust. All the promises, all the bluster, and no game, no plan in critical matters, no strategy. Take this, for example, and you know it's going bad when the Biden administration announces, because keep in mind, We talked to you yesterday about this. You're living this. I personally observed it today. I saw a line that was more than a mile long, people waiting to be tested. This has now become panic. Sick people out in the cold waiting to get a test. What is that all about? How did we get here? But you know it's bad. When the Biden administration actually, with a straight face, touts a $137 million deal for a COVID test strip factory. And guess what? If we're lucky, now that everything they say is a lie, they're copying to that it will be open in three years. You've got sick people today. Let me give you a stat that is absolutely mind-blowing. 20% of the New York Police Department are currently out sick with COVID-19. Let me give you the math. That's 6,600 police officers. 
another comparison. That number is the entire police force of the city of Philadelphia. 6,600 people. And you know it. You're living it. This Omicron variant is all over the place. I mean, it, it has just taken a, a iron-fisted grip. It used to be, remember, when somebody would say, I don't know anyone that has COVID-19. There's no one left that doesn't know someone, including themselves. And the estimate was 60% of all Americans will have it within the next month or two, no later than March. But you know it's going bad when you're bragging that you made a $137 million deal for a COVID test strip factory, and it'll take three years, though, to build it. Wow. I mean, look, I know you have to plan for the future, but who knows? COVID-19 might not even be a big deal where you need this uh, test strip factory. I can tell you one thing. My former boss, President Trump, wouldn't take three years building a factory. Have you seen what our military, what they're capable of doing? They build bridges in periods of time that you can't even humanly imagine. How did they do it? They, so many different things. If you remember when the testing was going the best... The military was in charge of it, basically. We had one in our major city. It was perfection. Right down to if you were handicapped, they would have a wheelchair waiting for you. You got in and you got out. What, what, what happened? What happened that now it's one, two, three, four, five hours friend of mine in Las Vegas who was visiting in Las Vegas, he's from East, had a four to five hour wait for a COVID-19 test that he needed to take before he could fly back home. So he paid somehow, somewhere, and I know that Fox News had the story and the Guy Benson show had the story yesterday of the four or five hundred hour COVID tests. And it keeps getting more and more draconian. Washington, D.C. Mayor Bowser says that students must prove negative by a negative COVID test before returning to school. I mean, the pressure on testing and a president who has been an abject failure. This is the president. This is the CDC. And one of the smartest people, he was this President Bush speechwriter, President George W. Bush. We've interviewed him before right here on The Guy Benson Show. Guy's had him on uh, a lot. And one of the smartest thinkers, one of the greatest writers, incredible speechwriter. Some of the things that you remember President Bush delivering, Mark Thiessen wrote these incredible words. He's very, very brilliant in capsulizing an issue. And he does so here. Dan, cut 11. 
We would have been better off in this pandemic if the CDC didn't exist. It's been a disaster from the beginning. Just this week, they revised downward the prevalence of the Omicron variant from 73.2%, which they reported with great confidence last week. They said, no, it actually was 22.5. That's not a minor revision. That's a 50.7 percentage points. How do you get stuff that badly wrong? And they, 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 get, they did this now on the, uh, on, the, on the isolation. They also came up with the, uh, the six-feet uh, distance rule out of whole cloth. There was no science behind it. That's what shut down all these schools. So the CDC has been getting, they were, they were wrong on masking. They, they screwed up the, the, the testing at the beginning of the pandemic. They wouldn't let private labs do testing. The CDC is an absolute disaster. I don't understand how people can, can trust our public health officials anymore. See what I mean? I mean, that's rememberable. You know, it's, it's memorable. It is on point. And I will tell you, if President Trump ever missed something by 50.7%, Told you that something was 73% and it was 22.5%. Oh, oh my gosh. It'd be Mardi Gras, it'd be party time. They, they would just crush him. Here it's like, oh, okay, you, you said it was 73%. And by the way, that really matters because Omicron is so contagious. I, I will tell you that when that was reported, I mean, it seemed to me that it went from 0.1 to 3% to 73%. And it didn't even seem like, how, how did this even happen? Well, now we know it didn't happen. And they just get away. It's like a grease board. They just wipe it out. And now it's 22.5, like they never said it was 73%. But let's give the CDC an opportunity. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, Dan, cut five. So from what you're saying, it sounds like this decision had just as much to do with business as it did with the science. Well, so it really had a lot to do with what um, we thought people would be able to tolerate. We have seen relatively low rates of isolation um, for all of this pandemic. Some science has demonstrated less than a third of people are isolating when they need to. And so we really want to make sure that we had guidance in this moment where we were going to have a lot of disease that could be adhered to, that people were willing to adhere to, and that spoke um, spe specifically to when people were maximally infectious. So it really um, spoke to both behaviors as well as what people were able to do. It was a recent CNN appearance by Dr. Rochelle Walensky from the CDC, the director. And it's important to note that you can tell the Democrat media is very upset with the CDC. They didn't, they didn't like this after when it was 10 days of isolation, quarantine, that suddenly it's five they, they can't process the normality of that, that we, we actually do have a country to live in and things to do and businesses to run and children back in school and so on. You can tell they're really upset that these guidelines have been relaxed. It's a, it's a terrible thing that's happened over the past two years. And we know where it started. It's easy. The demarcation line is Biden-Harris in the campaign. They politicized COVID-19. And so there you have it. If you're a Democrat, you got to be for every crazy thing they say. If you're a Republican, you have to resist. And it shouldn't be that way at all. It's a shame. It's a real shame. There's more. Let's give Anthony Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, number 19, the pitcher, an opportunity to be heard from. Dan, cut 16.
So it really depends on what your plans are. You said, should you change or cancel your plans? If your plans are to go to a 40 to 50 person New Year's Eve party with all the bells and whistles and everybody hugging and kissing and wishing each other a happy new year, I would strongly recommend that this year we do not do that. Now, do you remember that it's always followed by there'll be other years for that? Uh, he modified that in a previous iteration, which we shared with you yesterday. He had the signature line at the end. There'll be other years for that. But he makes it seem like it's a one off. But it's the second consecutive year that he has said that. And let's face it, there are families where they weren't with their loved ones. I know a number of people. I'm working with a number of people that were separated from family members that in their entire lifetime, they were never apart on Christmas. But because they don't want to infect or to have a chance, take the chance of infecting a loved one, they didn't visit with their close family members if they were elderly and with with and I, I give everybody that did that a lot of credit and once again I really think rather than government mandates from a government that admitted there is no federal solution but they want to they want to issue edicts and federal mandates I, I think that is a stubborn and persistent conflict there that has to be resolved and I think the American people are doing it and the American people will do that on their own if they know that there's something infectious that's going around and it could hurt their grandparents or their parents if they're elderly, they're going to do the right thing. These mandates have been an absolute disaster. So the first year of Joe Biden, even the Democrat media, the best they can call it is mixed. And you know when they're saying it's mixed, you know what they're really saying. It is a really really bad situation in so many ways we'll take a brief time out much more straight ahead this is the guy benson show guy benson will be right back from the fox news podcasts network stay on top of the latest news and information from fox news listen and download the fox news hourly update on your time the trending stories you need anytime you want it listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Great news. Guy will be back on Monday. But it's been a pleasure to uh, spend some time here with you on this wonderful program. And thanks for spending this portion of your day here with us on the Guy Benson Show. A lot of great things coming up, including Griff Jenkins after the bottom of the hour. This is great work that you just, when you see something that is just so well done, And I have to say, this must have been really tough. Kudos, foxnews.com, Michael Lee, the author. This is a piece titled Kamala Harris, Top 5 Most Embarrassing Moments of 2021. And the reason I say this must have been really hard to put together is think about just narrowing it down to just five. There have been so many. Before we get to the actual top five hit list, USA Today, Suffolk Poll, Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States, 28% approval rating. I have to phrase it this way. Do you know how hard it must be to achieve that? 
I submit it would be easier to have an 80% approval rating than to have a 28% approval rating. You got to do a whole lot of something to get down to 28%. That is that is scary, but do not forget when only Democrats were involved. Kamala Harris didn't make it out of 2019 out of the race for president and less than 1% support with Democrats in the Democrat primary. So I'm not surprised, but this is a terrible number. 28% approval. Let's go in descending order. Number five, Kamala Harris slammed for claiming rural Americans can't photocopy their IDs. Do you remember? This is, this is a remarkable thing, how they have to some extent gotten away with calling people racist if you want to have voter ID. Now, of course, we know the list. You know the list. If you want to go get Sudafed. At a, at, a, at, a, at a store, you got to show photo ID. To go to the airport, photo ID. To get into the NAACP convention, you have to show photo ID. To get into the Democratic National Convention, you have to show vo- uh, photo ID. However, the same duplicitous liars, because that's their game to divide America and call people names, They say you're a racist if you just want to make sure that it's one person, one vote in America. So you long remember that one. What what I think that's a racist comment. Who is she to say that there's a portion of America that can't photocopy their IDs? How is that even how is that even possible? You can go to a free library. You can go to so many different places. Number four, Kamala Harris panned for using the French accent. Member to the French scientists while touring a Parisian lab. So embarrassing. And only Democrats do that. Hillary did it. Number three, Kamala Harris applauds student who accused Israel of ethnic genocide for speaking, quote, your truth. As though there's a separate truth from the truth. Number two, Harris falsely claims we've been to the border. When pressed, she admitted that she hadn't been to the border. I guess thinking about going to the border means that you've been to the border. And number one, Harris boasts of being the, quote, last voice in the room, end quote, when President Biden decided to pull out of Afghanistan. Nobody believes that. That is unserious. Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent and my friend next on The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back on Monday. I'm partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Thanks for spending this portion of your day, New uh, New Year's Eve Eve, on the Guy Benson Show. 
This is a privilege. It's an honor. He's a longtime friend. I believe he's done the best work on the border anywhere in America. Fox News Channel's own correspondent Griff Jenkins joins the program on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Griff, my friend, good to visit with you. <laughs> hey, Harry, Happy New Year. The check is in the mail. After we get off, I'll make sure I got the oh. uh, right address for that Thank very you. kind introduction. Thank and you. Happy New Year to Wyatt and Christine and Dan as well. It's really an honor to come on and talk about the border uh, as we close out 2021. And by the way, I hope uh, the door doesn't hit it on the butt on the way out the year it's been. But it has been the border has got to be one of the top, even if you're one of those media outlets that didn't want to talk about it, it's got to be one of the top at least five stories, I think, of the year. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and, and up, up high on the top five, I would think. Obviously, COVID-19, but the border, it's been a disgrace. One of my, it's not a pet peeve. I think this is absolutely just incredible, Griff. And that is that the wall is there, the contract paid for, people getting paid not to work, all that land that had been acquired can't be used. Texans are giving more of their land so that Governor Abbott and the state level folks can build the wall and they can't use the wall material. They've got to go buy other. Griff, that is an outrage to me. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that our tax dollars are hard at work paying to sit still in a wall that's not being built that could be used? Oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Listen, you probably saw, and just for our listeners that may have missed it, I, I did go down to the border a week or so ago, and, and I broadcast that Saturday noon to 2 Fox News live show I do down on the border with Governor Abbott because he's building. Texas has taken matters into their own hands. Yep. They're building their own uh, state-funded wall to help supplement the Trump wall, whose construction ended the day that President Biden was inaugurated because he issued an edict to do so. And the, the, the governor of the state of Texas is a little frustrated that there are millions upon millions of dollars of previous federal wall panels that could have been used. Instead, they're literally sitting there collecting dust and rotting in the, in the, in the Texas-Mexico border. But, you know, it's not dissuading Governor Abbott. And, you know, we have to, I think, Harry, look in the rearview mirror and say, how did we get here? Well, I think this is the story that is perhaps one of the biggest surprises for the Biden administration. They knew they were going to stop building the wall. They knew they were going to undo Remain in Mexico. They wanted to send a political message to the former administration, President Trump, uh, in terms of how they handled the border. But even Democratic-leaning Border Patrol sector chiefs who voted for Biden, whose names I won't disclose, but have told me in many of my reports and going down there when I'm talking to him off camera, tell me they never thought this administration would allow it to become so out of control that there would be such lack, lax enforcement. And what we have now 
is a border that is absolutely in a state that I've never seen it. And I've been covering this just to, you know, give some context. I've been covering this since the the 2009 years, yep. back when I was Greta Van Sessions correspondent and you had the unaccompanied child crisis of the Obama administration when yep. then Vice President Biden was put in, in control of fixing it. But now it's out of control. I just tweeted yesterday, Harry, that in the Rio Grande Valley sector, the ground zero for the Biden border crisis, they have more than 20,000 unaccompanied minors this fiscal year, which is only since October, and it's up 248%. Wow. Griff Jenkins on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Griff, I know you're a straight news reporter and you're a terrific one. And, you know, the opinion side of things, uh, sometimes other people's business, but I don't think there's any way we can deny that it is a strategy of the Biden administration to not complete that wall, to leave that border open. They want it open. And I think it, it, it's impossible to, to deny that. And, and you have a lot more experience. I would defer to you if you tell me, Harry, you're wrong. It's not. I, I just believe it is a strategy. And if it is a strategy, it is so insidious because along with all kinds of good people that are fleeing oppression and all kinds of problems and want a, a better life, I understand the altruistic side of this, but at the same time, we have record-setting drug trafficking, human trafficking, all kinds of problems. MS-13, I mean, we're catching some, we're not catching all. Do you agree with me, Griff Jenkins, that it has to be a strategy or they would have completed the wall? Harry, I I absolutely do. And, you know, listen, remember, a part of honest journalism is taking uh, the, the, the unbiased look at all sides to present them. And when you present them, you present the interviews we have done with so many of the uh, Border Patrol officials of the previous administration, like former acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf, the former ICE director Tom Homan, who you see and hear from uh, on, on uh, Fox News, they say it can't be anything but a strategy yep. to have a lack of of, of enforcement. And it is, you know, the outgoing, one of the most significant interviews I've done in the last three months was I got a, an interview with the former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott. And he is a guy who has been at the Border Patrol for more than 30 years of his career. He just retired uh, in the wake of all of the changes. And he says, that it's not only a strategy, but it is a predicament that is a matter not of border security, but of national security, mm. specifically for the reasons that you mentioned, which is the number of uh, gang members, the threat to people. I'm going to say something that I've never said on, on TV with you, Harry. And this is, we just had last week CBP admitting that they put up a tweet of a Yemeni man that came across posing as some sort of local first responder, and they took it down because it had, quote, sensitive material. It Now the CBP admits maybe someone that is being looked at as a possible terrorist. We have no clue. The MS-13 gang members we catch, we know, and they're identifiable because of the tattoos. And in many cases, we run a test against their prints, and it turns out that they have a criminal past in the U.S. And the the the, the thing I'm going to say that, that that really doesn't get talked about is every one of these sector chiefs, and in confidence with. 
guy, when I talked to him, I said, how many people have hit the TSDB? That's the terrorist screening database, right? So when these criminal migrants hit a criminal flag, they also are running the same database that will find out if they have had any reason to be have their name having been on the terrorist screening database, which is an international list. And they said, I can't say, I can't say, wow. because it would divulge national security issues to answer that honestly. But yet they're not denying that they're doing it. We know that migrants that are being apprehended are hitting the terror screening database. So you look at the number I tweeted out yesterday, the sector known gotaways in the RGV. These are migrants that were seen on camera or were pursued after, but they got away and we were not able to take them in custody because they were evading apprehension. It is over 11,000 since just October in one sector. And so when you hear Chief Scott, and I don't mean to be sounding some sort of alarm here um, on, on, on the soapbox, but really, it's, Harry, it's not a matter of, of whether it's being opinionated or fair journalistic. We know the facts. The numbers don't lie. Data doesn't lie. And the data says that we have an unprecedented number of not only humans crossing, we have an unprecedented number of dangerous humans crossing our border. And if that's not a national security risk. I don't know what is. And the tragedy is all preventable. It's uh, it's really beyond my ability to comprehend that anybody would would put this uh, as a it, working it strategy. I'll just, add just one more thing, yeah. and that is, <clears throat> I've got a Fox Nation special that's going to drop here in the beginning of January, and I went down in Mexico, negotiated. And it was a very interesting negotiation because it took months. A interview with a Gulf cartel smuggler, Reynosa, Mexico. And he tells me, by they're not in any way pulling back from acknowledging it, it's never been more profitable for them moving humans. In fact, the cartels say, take a humanitarian view of things, saying, well, we're helping them because they're coming anyway, and we have it so organized. So organized, I've got color-coded bracelets on my desk at work that I show people that have digitized numbers. It is corporate-level organization because they know the opportunity is so ripe. They're making hundreds of millions of dollars a year on it in, you know, What's going to stop it? That's what everybody in the Border Patrol is quietly talking about behind door, closed doors. And the answer is, at this point, sadly, nothing. Wow. The very recognizable voice of the Fox News Channel correspondent, Griff Jenkins, on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. We've got to delve into this in the three minutes or so. We have about four minutes, Griff, with the Remain in Mexico policy, truly a great working policy of the Trump era that you would actually say, hey, you got to stay there until you earn the right to come here. Biden, of course, the Biden doctrine is let who you want in. In some cases, as you know, Griff, you know better than me, you know better than all of us. They just let them in and they, they're told to self-report. They don't even get a court date in some cases. They just are told, hey, you self-report it. You know, you, we, we trust you. Just go in there and, and self-report. Explain to our listeners, and I do believe the Supreme Court, Griff, is going to fix this and, and overturn the Sixth Circuit. For those who don't remember, the Fifth Circuit 
overturned Biden. The Sixth Circuit overturned the Fifth Circuit. The Supreme Court <laughs> is, yeah, I know, it's like a scorecard. And the Supreme Court, I believe, is going to fix it. I think they took the case uh, because they know they're going to fix it. But explain to people why this matters. Well, we'll see. And by the way, kudos to you. You have a better grasp of the uh, ping pong battles in the courts. Uh, uh, you have a better recollection as anybody. And, and, and you're right. It ultimately could get decided, it looks like, by the Supreme Court. But here's the bottom line, Harry. The Remain in Mexico, or Migrant Protection Protocols, as it's known, was instituted by the Trump administration to have migrants wait in Mexico while their asylum claims played out. It cut down on the number of illegal crossings coming because migrants didn't want to wait in Mexico. While an asylum claim played out, they wanted to just cross the border and be turned loose. So they effectively ended uh, catch and release under the Trump administration. The Biden administration started to back up. Now the court ultimately telling the Biden administration they must reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy. But here's the fine print, and that is enforcement. Is it being enforced? They're telling them they have to do it. But I spoke three weeks ago, because I spent a lot of time in all of the Mexican border towns as well. Matamoros, uh, Juarez, Tijuana, Reynosa, and in El Paso, which is the border city to uh, Juarez, I called three weeks ago when it looked like it was going to be a push to the INN, the Mexican immigration official who is responsible for receiving the migrants sent back under MPP, under Remain in Mexico. And I asked him after the first full week, so this is a month ago then, the first full week, I said, how many have you got? Do I need to come there and do reporting because you're getting the floodgates opened up by the administration sending them back? He told me, Griff, in the first week, we had 18 come back, 18 migrants. And so whether or not they're forced to do it and they fully engage on it, or whether they're forced to do it and they barely do it, is really the devil in the detail. Griff, you are such a pleasure to work with. Uh, I love what you do, how you do it, the integrity uh, and the manner in which you do it. You're such a pro, and it's <laughs> a real, real honor to, uh, to present you today on Guy's program. And I wish you a great 2022. Your work is very important to all of us. Harry, you're doing an amazing job. Just so our listeners know, this goes all the way back to when I was running the Ollie North Show and Harry Hurley came to the rescue, and you are kicking butt and taking names. Guys, lucky to have you. Have a merry, uh, happy new year. And uh, listen, stay tuned, because i got to tell you, if there's anything I'm positive of in 2022, it's that our border is still going to be open, and I'm going to tell the story until they tell me to shut up or take away my microphone. Griff, great to visit with you. Happy new year, my friend. See you, Harry. See you. See you real soon. That's Griff Jenkins. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back on Monday. I am working with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, and it's a privilege. It's my privilege to do so. This is an amazing team, an efficient team, a really wonderful professional team, The Guy Benson Show team. We have a story that this should be in the fiction section. You should, when you hear this, you should be able to scratch your head and say, was the guy Benson show just pulling my leg? This can't possibly be true because it is this embarrassing. It is this preposterous. 
but we're going to produce the audio evidence to prove that it is real. Now, on shows and stations like MSNBC, a Republican, they they act like they are fair and balanced because Republicans in name only, who are typically Trump haters, Republican haters, but they say, let's go to the Republican panel member who is crazier than the people that were speaking before they go to the Republican panel member. Nicole Wallace is one of those. Masquerades as a Republican, but everything that comes out is anti-Republican. Look, I have no problem. Uh, I just have a problem when there's intellectual dishonesty like that. You, you, that's your new philosophy. You want to switch and go to the other side, but this is their way of acting like they, oh, oh Democrat perspective. Now let's go to the Republican perspective. Well, Nicole Wallace, we found out, is a Fauci groupie. I would, ha- I would have to say that is an embarrassing thing to cop to. Very, very embarrassing. Because Fauci, for me, is a complete, utter failure and disaster. But to prove that Nicole Wallace is a self-proclaimed, proud, Fauci groupie. Dan, if you would do the honors, cut 17. I'm a Fauci groupie. I'm a thrice vaccinated mask adherent. I could watch Tony Fauci spit truth at the disinformation um, elves on Capitol Hill all day long. Tony Fauci, who under normal presidents is this trusted and and usually beloved advisor who um, has an encyclopedic memory and knowledge. Beloved advisor. Doesn't that make it just just a little bit your mouth water, just a little bit, maybe like you feel like you might be ready to throw up in your mouth just a little bit. I am thrice vaccinated. My name is Harry Hurley. I am not a Fauci groupie. I am here today filling in for Guy Benson. We'll be back in just a little bit. When we come back, this is another privilege for me. Griff is a longtime friend, and our next guest on The Guy Benson Show is also a very longtime friend and my former governor, the former governor of the state of New Jersey, I believe a candidate for president of the United States, Governor Chris Christie, next. This is The Guy Benson Show. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Happy New Year's Eve, Eve from the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back on Monday. I'm partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. It is my honor to let everyone know on the Guy Benson Show that on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is the 55th governor of the state of New Jersey, the former United States attorney for New Jersey, a candidate for president of the United States once, I believe, It's going to be more than once. Maybe I'll tease that. A best-selling author. We'll get to his book in a second. And, of course, a network television political analyst. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show, Governor Chris Christie. Harry, happy new year. Good to be on with you. The author, good to be with you, sir. The author of Republican Rescue, Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of Joe Biden. Let's go to the last sentence. I hereby, it's report card day. On the Guy Benson Show, I, I am drafting you to be the professor. Please issue your grades and grade point average for President Joe Biden year one. 
you know, he earned an F, Harry. Um, you got you got to give him credit. He worked hard to get it. Um, he he messed up Afghanistan. He has spent our our budget into oblivion and into six and a half percent inflation, which is a tax every day on the American people. Um, crime is rampant in the streets um, all across this country uh, because he has continued the degrading of our police across the country. Um, this is a guy who's worked very hard um, to get this grade. Not to mention that his withdrawal of our troops from Afghanistan was his biggest F of the year um, in terms of the lives that it cost and the reputational cost for our country around the world. With your red pencil, I would think you would want to give him an F for COVID-19. I mean, he was handed a vaccine. He said he would shut it down. And I would love, because at your level, you do have a way of crystallizing things a couple of days ago on national television, I know you saw it. I watched it live right before we were ready to do this program, sitting in for Guy. And I heard the president of the United States. And I, I, I have to admit, even for him, he shocked me. He said there is no federal response for COVID-19. He punted it to the states, which, of course, President Trump wanted the states to, to be point because he felt that you as a governor and you know this very well that the governors closest to the people know what they need then you get the federal support for what you need ventilators ppe whatever whatever it might be testing now of course you got to get out the red pencil maybe the red permanent marker the sharpie on testing because he made testing almost the end-all be-all and and now we have people waiting in lines sometimes miles long abject failure in the category of the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you agree? Absolutely right, Harry. And almost I, I, almost so obvious that I missed it. I mean, it is in the list of gifts uh, to you. On COVID, look, you know, he was handed a vaccine from Operation Warp Speed um, that has made this pandemic significantly less deadly and significantly less serious um, for folks. And I think we can never forget that. But that's what did it. The vaccine's have made this significantly less serious. And we see now that even with this Omicron, um, you know, variant, it's, it's, a, it's a pandemic to the extent it is of the unvaccinated yeah. and that everyone else seems to be dealing with it pretty well. The testing is the biggest thing, the biggest failure, Harry, because that was all something that should be anticipated, could have been planned for. Um, I can tell you working in the private sector, but there are private sector companies that, and we read this, offered um, to supply significant numbers of tests to the administration, and they turned it down. Um, And now we have people who can't get a test if they want one. We're two years into this. We still don't have a readily available at-home capability for people to test. Um, It's an outrageous failure, especially from someone who made COVID and recovery from COVID the centerpiece of his campaign for president. You're listening to Governor Chris Christie, and, and it's so, so terrible because you have universities, you have other schools, other businesses, and so on. The, gover- the federal government has now said that there is no federal solution, but yet they have all these federal mandates. And you have these people telling you your children can't come back to school without a test. You can't get a test. I mean, it, it's, it's a complete, you know, utter catch-22. It's, it's, it, it is a, we, have a, we have a testing catastrophe right now in our country. Quick sidebar, because I think guys, listeners would be very curious to hear your spectrum of observation on this. You were always, you're a serious man. You were always a serious thinker on COVID-19. Did your outlook change at all 
once you contracted COVID-19 and actually experienced the virus? Yeah, I, I think it, it changed a little bit, Harry, uh, for, to this extent. I was always taking it seriously because I, I had uh, an underlying asthma condition that always made me a little bit nervous about getting COVID. But what it did was it, it impressed upon me how random this disease is and how we should take every step we can to try to minimize the impact it can have when it randomly hits people. And so the way it changed it for me was to say, you know, not that I wouldn't have gotten the vaccine, but it made me get um, in line very quickly for the vaccine when it came out um, in the beginning of, tw- of 2021 uh, for, for most people. Um, I was able to get it. Um, and I've gotten a second dose and a booster um, just because, to me, I look at the evidence and the evidence is that the unvaccinated are getting more sick and more of them are being hospitalized and more of them are likely to die um, than if you have the vaccine. To me, that's a pretty easy decision to make. I join you. Uh, and I've admitted this on Guy's program because I think it's important for people to hear from people who have taken the vaccine. I took the first. I took the second. I also took the booster. And, and why wouldn't I? I believe I believe we're told to believe in the science. I believe in the uh, in the vaccine. I believe that it works. And I understand there may be variants just like the flu shot one year if they don't whip it up just right. It, they say it's only 30 or 60 percent uh, effective. But at, no matter what it is, it's better than zero. Governor, exactly. your calculus, because you're one of the best at this, and I understand we have a long way to go. The whole campaign has to be waged. But what is your assessment right now, the prospects, you know where I'm going, the 2022 midterm elections? Well, Harry, look, as we know, historically, um, the, the party um, out of power uh, from the White House at the first midterm usually gains an average over the last 60 years of 27 seats. We have a five-seat deficit at the moment. I believe that where we are now, we're looking at much closer to a 40 to 45-seat pickup I agree. Um, for the Republican Party. I, I think, you know, it's all these, these things, the frustration with COVID, the inflation in the economy, the uh, crime in the streets, the turning over our education system lock, stock, and barrel to the teachers' union in this country, both what's being taught and when people get taught and how they get taught, all being turned over by Jill Biden and her husband to the teachers' union. I think all of those things are going to combine to lead us to a 40 to 45-seat gain as it stands right now in the House, and I believe a one to two-seat gain in the Senate, which will put us in charge of the Congress again. Now, I couldn't agree more. I, I agree completely with your math. I think it is going to be the numbers that you're saying. We, we remember President Obama's first midterm. He lost more than 60 seats. It's not impossible yep. that it could be that big. And you know this and I know this, Governor Christie. And if you're just joining the Guy Benson Show, Governor Chris Christie on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, one of the best analysts in the business countrywide. Now, in terms of the Senate, I, I see the Senate – The Republicans have to defend more seats, still have to work out a few things. Like, for example, I think Raphael Warnock is very beatable in Georgia. Is it going to be Herschel Walker? Is he going to win? Is he ready for that? Is it going to be somebody else? So remember in the past, Republicans had great opportunities 
and Delaware should have been a pickup. They invented, they they picked somebody who said that she was a witch, and then that 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 was a win that went out the window. Nevada was all set, and they got goofy, and it went Democrat. It never should have. So I don't rule out the possibility that I I know the House is gone because you see all the high ranking chairmen they're running for the hills. They don't want to be in the minority. They're chairman of these big committees, and they, they, they know it's over. House is gone. Do you agree with me, Governor, that the Senate is still in doubt? Oh, it's very much in doubt, Harry. And, and don't forget, we also lost Missouri yep. um, in this last decade and yep. Indiana. Yep. Um, for, again, for the same reason that we, that we nominated flawed candidates. This is why I hope that Governor Doug Ducey in Arizona decides to run. I think he can beat uh, Kelly in Arizona. That's why I hope Larry Hogan decides to run in Maryland, because he can beat Chris Van Hollen. Yeah. We need to have some of those upsets. Yeah. I was disappointed that Chris Sununu decided not to run, although we're thrilled to have him back as governor of New Hampshire. Because but he would have won. He would have won going yeah. away. Maggie yeah. Hassan. Maggie Hassan must have been lighting candles in every church in New Hampshire to get that result. Uh, Harry, because she knew she was gone if Chris Sununu ran. So, you know, what do we do with our candidates? And and we've got some, you know, really problematic potential primaries around as well. We we need to make sure that we keep our eye on the ball, which is to defeat the dangerous policies of Joe Biden. That should be our only focus. Our yep. only focus should be to be stopping what he's trying to do, because, Harry, you know this, he's giving people things for nothing. And when government does that, it's very hard to reverse those policies. So true. Once people start receiving stuff for nothing, that's what Democrats are trying to do right now. And boy, they're just, you know, one Joe Manchin weak moment away from doing it. Yes. And he got a little squishy last week when he started to say he'll um, vote to, to end the Trump tax cuts. That would be, you know, the price tag on that. We're talking big, big money over the next 10 years if they did that. It would be very, very bad for citizens. It would be very, very bad for industry. One more question on the Senate, and then I want to pivot to something else that I think you're going to be interested in, because at the um, right after the next segment, mini segment, we're going to be doing after the bottom of the hour, uh, 10 Republicans who may be running for president of the United States. I'm just going to whisper behind your back, if you don't mind, Governor Christie, that I think you're going to be one of them. So I'm going to name 10, uh, and you're going to be one of them. Let's go back to the Senate just for a quick moment. Is it more likely or unlikely that Republicans will be in the majority of the United States Senate after the midterm? I believe it's more likely because of the atmosphere. and But as you said, we can mess it up. Yeah. Uh, by nominating the wrong candidates. But if we nominate the right candidates um, and recruit the right candidates, um, then I believe we'll be in the majority in the U.S. Senate. But that is very much a jump ball, Harry. Yeah. Um, and we can't take it for granted because there's going to be also some very tough governor's races across the country yep. that we have to be focused on as well. When I left as chairman of the RGA in 2014, we had 31 governorships. We're now down to a one-seat majority yeah. among the governors. we got to get that back up because we want Republican governors in those seats for the 2024 elections. Well, look how important that was at the, um, the, the national teleconference, if you will, that showed 
Asa Hutchinson, and he was such a gentleman, the governor of Arkansas, who you know, uh, he was such a gentleman that President Biden just said, I agree with the Republican gov. I agree with gov. I agree with gov. I mean, it was it was incredible. If that would have been one seat difference, would have been a Democrat making that statement. No question. And and that's why we got to make sure that we keep an eye our eye on the ball here. Nominate the right people for governor. Nominate the right people for Senate. The country is a still a center-right country. They feel deceived by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in terms of what they're doing, given how they ran. And they want to show them a message in November of 2022. We just have to make ourselves the acceptable alternative um, to what Biden and Harris are doing. And that's why we can't be looking backwards. We've got to be looking forwards and going after them. That should be our focus. Governor Christie, in the final minute that we have, I believe you're going to run for president of the United States. Do you want to do you want to do your friend Harry a favor and just like make the make the announcement right now on the Guy Benson show? So we have this tremendous scoop. We'll scoop the world. Uh, You're running for president in 2024. Say it. I may do my friend Harry a favor, but it's not going to be on December 30th. I can guarantee you that. (laughs) I understand. Uh, appreciate it. Do you think in 30 seconds, do you think the atmosphere at the midterm first Tuesday, November, and I guess it's the second Tuesday because the first Tuesday is the first, but anyhow, I don't want to confuse the audience, but you know what that means. Uh, do you think that the atmosphere will be as good then when it's a national election as it was when it was Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia and New Jersey? I think it'll be better. Oh, that's, I think it'll be better, Harry. And the reason I think it'll be better is because inflation will still be running rampant um, in 11 months because the crime problem will not be solved because we're going to have continuing problems with COVID because we're going to have continuing arguments about education in this country where Democrats are wanting to exclude people, parents from their children's education. Um, I don't think things are going to get any better over the next 11 months. And when they don't, The country, especially independents in this country, will be so angry about the votes they cast in November of 2020 that they're going to want to send a strong and clear message to Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and retire Nancy Pelosi and send Chuck Schumer back to the minority job. Wow. Uh, Just time to say, please give our former first lady and your forever first lady, Mary Pat, my best regards. She's sitting right next to me, Harry, and I will send her... Your best regards. And she said, wow, Harry's doing national stuff. He's getting big. He's getting big. <laughs> You're the best, Governor. Thank you, Governor you Christie. Take care, Harry. Thank Have you, sir. You do the same. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in. Guy will be back on Monday. Happy New Year's Eve, Eve. From Christine Wyatt, Dan, and your filling guy, Harry. Honor to be here working uh, Guy's program, just trying to, I have my own rule, just I don't want to break Guy's show, so we just try to, to do a good job for him because he deserves the time off. Uh, this call is going on right now, President Biden, President Putin, the United States, others around the world calling it a moment of crisis, it is, over Ukraine. I will tell you I'm very concerned at many levels. If President Reagan were on the phone right now with Putin, I'd have no worries. If President George H.W. Bush on the phone, no worries. President Obama even, President George, um, Bill Clinton, I'd have no worries. 
I'm always concerned where President Biden is concerned because where, where he's involved, because, I mean, look at the other day. Republican governor said that this needs to be done by us. And President Biden, he, he threw COVID-19 out of his portfolio. I mean, that was that was stunning in its speed and its reversal. Let me tell you what I'm most worried about. The mental acuity of our president getting rolled over by Vladimir Putin. Let's not forget Vladimir Putin bleeds KGB. He is cagey. He is smart. He is strategic. He he is the one who asked for this second call. They're going to be meeting not too long from now. He asked for the second call. I have a sneaky suspicion he's going to try to have his cake and eat it, too. He's going to try to get what he wants. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he uses this as the predicate to then do what he wants to do. So I consider this meeting very, very dangerous, very dangerous for the world. When we come back, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a way, 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 way too early forecast of the 10 Republicans most likely to run for president of the United States. All this on The Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy, who will be back on Monday. I'm working with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan, which is always uh, a privilege for me. Uh, They're fabulous. I tell them off the air, so why shouldn't I say it on the air? They're fabulous to work with. Such professionals, such a just class operation. Well, this is our way too early look at 10 Republicans at this moment, this early out. Now, remember, it used to be maybe a year and a half before. It wasn't even right after the midterm. Now it's right after the election. Decision 2020, the second the um, election is certified, boom, decision 2024 lights up right away. So that's that's how long anybody who's looking to run because of the operations that you have to put together. One of the reasons, in my view, that Chris Christie didn't run against Barack Obama, and I believe he could have beaten him, it was an incredible high watermark in the career of Governor Christie. And unlike almost anybody that's ever at that level, he just felt he wasn't ready and he was going to give it a go four years later. He left that part out, but I knew it was going to happen. Because usually people, even if they're not ready, they'll just say, I'm ready. And I think he could have beaten Obama. I really believe that. Romney choked. President Trump, I think, is as close to a lock that he will run as you could possibly be. And I've thought this through very um, very much in detail. Every time he turns around, he's under a new investigation. He's got prosecutors promising, basically, to investigate him for the rest of his life, investigating his family. I think he has to run. I think he wants to run. I think he loved being president. He loved. There are some people that want the title. That was Obama. He didn't want to do the work. Late arriver, lazy, smart, but lazy. Not as smart as the media gave him credit for, by the way. He was a guy that needed a teleprompter, too. Very good on the teleprompter. Very, very good on the teleprompter. That's a talent. He actually can do a teleprompter, and you don't know that he's reading. Joe Biden, I mean, come on. 
He's got one eye wonky, squinting. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's terrible. No, you know when he's not reading the teleprompter because that's when he makes the big mistakes, such as there's no federal solution for COVID-19. I'm saying President Trump is in, but this discussion has to be at several levels, him being in and him being out, because it's my belief there are a number of people who will run if President Trump doesn't run, and there are a few who will run on the Republican side even if President Trump does run. And our guest of just a moment ago, Governor Chris Christie, is on my list of those who will run for president in 2024. And I'm telling you, he's running. He's not saying it. He can't say it. It's not time to say it. It doesn't make any sense to say it. But right after the midterm, you're going to see a lot of people jumping into the uh, presidential swimming pool. And I'm I'm projecting on the Guy Benson show that Governor Chris Christie is one of them. And he's running, in my estimation, whether President Trump runs or doesn't run. Let me go through the list. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, very interesting uh, candidate, governor. Governors, in my estimation, and Trump proved it as a business person, you can also do it. But governors make great presidents. And there's a reason for that. They are chief executive officers. They're the president of their state. Governor Chris Christie was the most powerful governor in America. I'm not saying that because New Jersey is my home state. The New Jersey state constitution gives to the the governor, I was going to call him president, gives to the governor of New Jersey more power than any other governor in the country. You see all these governors that have, like, look, if Andrew Cuomo was Chris Christie with that constitution, Andrew Cuomo would have had an attorney general that he would have picked that would have been 100% fiercely loyal to him, and he wouldn't be where he is right now in the uh, special down and out league, waiting to see when, what shoe's going to drop next. He'd still be uh, the greatest governor ever and, and the guy that was going to be president. Think about that. But the attorney general in New York is an elected position. The attorney general in New Jersey is appointed by one person with the advice and consent of the Senate. It's a big deal. Governors make excellent presidents because they are chief executive officers. To be true, senators are usually not good. And very few, we've had a few in a row, you know, you had Obama, then uh, it's very unusual. Biden, but he was vice president. Biden couldn't win when he was a senator. He never would have been president without being named vice president. And even that wasn't enough. The pandemic is the only reason. And don't forget, you had a Democrat tool say that the COVID, this is how sick they are, that the COVID-19 pandemic which we know has infected so many and killed so many in our country. They use terms like the COVID-19 pandemic is the greatest thing that ever happened to Joe Biden. How sick is that? Pretty sick, isn't it? So DeSantis is the real deal. Christie is the real deal. I, I say DeSantis does not run if President Trump runs, and I think there's a reasonable chance that DeSantis might be the running mate, even though Trump doesn't need him 
to win Florida. Uh, he's just a good candidate. So DeSantis, I think, is VP. Timber, he's young. He's only 43. He's a star right now in the Republican Party. He has a decorated military background. I mean, this guy is from central casting. But he's, in my estimation, not going to run if President Trump runs. Former Vice President Mike Pence, perfect gentleman. Obviously, there's you know the issue of, of him certifying the election that President Trump and he crossed the Rubicon on. But I believe that former Vice President Mike Pence will not run for president if President Trump does. I'm, I'm, I'm basing that on his fundamental decency and goodness. He's hungry. He's, you know, he's, he's a politician, but he's a really good man. And I think he realizes running against the person that gave you the opportunity to be the vice president of the United States, I think that's low rent. I don't think he'll do it. But he will run. 100% he will run if President Trump decides not to run. Governor Chris Christie is next. One-time presidential candidate. He made it to the big boy table. He made it to all those debates. Did a really good job. First one out of the box to endorse President Trump, chairman of the Trump uh, Transition Committee, chairman of the Trump Opioid Committee. Uh, He's got the chops, and he's running. I don't care what you just heard 15 minutes ago. He's running for president is my projection. And he's running, in my estimation, whether President Trump runs or not. The former ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, I think she is fabulous. She is smart. She is world class. She did a phenomenal job as ambassador to the United Nations. She had a little dust up and then it kind of smoothed over. I think I'll remove the word the words kind of it smoothed over. I don't believe Nikki Haley will run if President Trump runs. I'm not as sure about that as some of the others I've said, but that's what I think. Now, some people are trying to start trouble for Ted Cruz, saying for him, he didn't say it, they were saying that Ted Cruz is running for president, whether President Trump runs or not. I believe he won't run for president if President Trump declares his candidacy, but that if President Trump doesn't run, 100% United States uh, Senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, will run under those circumstances. He talked a little bit about, hey, the runner-up for the nomination many times becomes the nominee. He's, he's right about that. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who, by the way, is almost unrecognizable right now. I don't know if you've seen him lately on the Fox News channel. I'm not saying that as a negative. He's lost about half a person. And if you didn't know him, I say you could get confused and not, you'd say, who, who is that? There's something familiar, but that's how different he looks. I haven't bothered to check how much weight he's lost, but he's lost a lot of weight. And when you lose a lot of weight like that, you're running for president. I think there is a strategic chance that Pompeo would run even if President Trump is running. I want to lean towards he won't do it because he was a fiercely loyal Trumpian, very much so. And, of course, running against the president that made you the secretary of state, that takes guts. 
Another Republican rising star, and we've interviewed her on Fox News Radio, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, superstar. Looks, smarts, she's got it all. I don't believe she'll run if President Trump runs. I put her in the sweepstakes to be Trump's vice presidential running mate. And I'll tell you another thing I would do if I was President Trump. I wouldn't wait to the convention. I'd name your running mate out of the box. Run like you're the president. You were the president. If I was running the campaign, that ticket would be formed. When Trump announced, it would be Trump and his VP running mate. Which right now, I suggest will either be Pompeo or Nome. Number nine, Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton. Much more impressive than at first glance. I think one of the problems he would have is gravitas. He is impressive. He's got the goods. He's really smart, very well-versed on all the issues. He would be able to handle himself, I believe, very, very well. I, I tend to think if President Trump runs, he won't run, but I won't, in his case, rule out that he might run because sometimes people run for the future. You get in there. Never forget, Bill Clinton had no idea he was ever going to be president. He jumped in the race. Everybody that was the upper-tier Democrats President George H.W. Bush was at 89% approval at the time that you would need to make your decision to run. Nobody in the upper tier ran against President Bush. Bill Clinton, very strategic, very smart, jumped in there. And the truth is on this issue, and I I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but this, this is not an opinion. This is a fact. He did not believe he was going to be the president. He knew that running... And if he got the nomination or running and and running respectably, remember when they had to spin, he finished like fourth in New Hampshire and they called him the comeback kid. I mean, that was that that was fantastical. I remember saying on air, this guy got fourth place and he's making himself a winner and the media is going for it. And I said, that guy, never forget, he was a keynote speaker at the prior Democratic National Convention. And when he said his last words of the speech, because he went on and on and on, it was exhausting. And he said, and in conclusion, and the floor erupted in applause. That's how bad it all was. And then he comes back four years later. He gets the nomination. Perot gets in there. Bush gets sick. They indict Cap Weinberger on the Friday before the election. And Bill Clinton sneaks in there with 43% of the vote. You never know. That's why, um, who was it that I interviewed? Um, No, Bob Dole said it, and also Walter Mondale said it. Bob Dole I met. President Trump introduced me to Bob Dole at an event. What a gentleman. God rest his soul. What a gentleman. And he said it. And also Walter Mondale, who served for four years as vice president, he said the highest office he ever held was president of the United States. I'm sorry, as the Democratic nominee for president of the United States. And he had served four years as vice president, one heartbeat away. So you become the nominee and you disqualify your opponent. You're going to be the next president. 
It's no joke, and they know it, and they're, they're going to fight for it. And last but not least, Maryland Governor and Governor Christie brought him up, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan. And that was pretty cool because, hey, Larry, run for the Senate because I'm going to be running for president. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, Governor Larry Hogan, if, he, if, if he's running for president, he will run whether President Trump is running or not. So that is your 10 way too early projections. Most of them, I think, will not run. You look at the numbers. I think President Trump right now, it's something like 80% of Republicans want President Trump to be the nominee. It's, so it's a, it's a heavy lift. But remember, some of them will be strategic, and maybe they're running for next time because it will be at that point President Trump wins. It will be an open seat. He'll be term limited. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Happy New Year's Eve Eve. Guy will be back on Monday. Well, you know it's not going well when you have to rely on one lonely single analyst to try to spin your way out of a disastrous first year 2021. Some really excellent NewYorkPost.com coverage about the Biden administration boasting about the strongest first year economic track record in half a century. Quote, we're ending 2021 with what one analyst described as the strongest first year economic track record of any president in the last 50 years. Let's keep the progress going. It almost begs me to want to say, let's go, Brandon. It's so unserious. Okay, now, if that was a uh, opinion that was held by many, you would be citing this analyst by name and that analyst by name and this financial you know, services industry, all these things. One unnamed analyst has touted the strongest first year economic track record in 50 years. When you talk about having a bad year, I am hard pressed. And this was with a very kind media, Democrat media, that covered for him tremendously over the year. But the American people never underestimate the power of the American people to get it right, to figure stuff out. So we've given you a couple of doozies today. The Biden administration touting a $137 million deal for a COVID test strip factory that will take three years before it's up and running. Isn't that wonderful news? While you're waiting right now four and five hours to get a test, and now one unnamed analyst is saying it's the greatest economy, the greatest wizard of finances in 50 years, but they don't tell you who it is. Oh, my goodness. That is just wonderful, isn't it? When we come back, some more fun. This is The Guy Benson Show. Stay with us.
It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, and I promise some of it will be happy. It looks like some of it will not be because there are so many serious things going on right now in real time. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back on Monday on New Year's Eve Eve. We wish you a great holiday on behalf of Christine Wyatt and Dan and the Guy Benson Show. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, And this is also very, very hard work. I I give great props to foxnews.com again uh there is a year in review piece that's just out the mainstream media's top 10 missteps in 2021 another almost impossible task to winnow it down to just 10 because the democrat i call them the democrat media the biden media they're all in it together they have been more blatantly dishonest in this year hiding stuff hiding Biden, not doing their job. I, I'm embarrassed to see the, um, the, the White House press, minus Peter, du- uh, Peter Ducey, the only one that's doing his job. It's, it's really, it's embarrassing. It's not professional. And it just shouldn't be this way. But here it is. Your top 10 most outrageous examples of the Democrat media reporting falsely or at least misleading the American people. Now, this one's a doozy. I've spoken about it a lot since it's happened. The way that the media, the Democrat media, mainstream media, minus Fox, I remember I saw all the Fox personalities and and news people saying that, well, I think that person was armed, and they're saying the person's not armed and that the police officer's at fault. They didn't go out on a limb and try to flip the script, but they just said, hey, let's let it's kind of like the Jussie Smollett thing. Let, that, that story didn't sound right. MAGA hats and, and all this stuff going on, the noose, all this, it just didn't seem right. And the media jumped, always jumping and never forget, they always err in favor of the left without fail. You don't even, you don't, they don't even think about giving you, you got to work hard to win. You don't get the benefit of the doubt. There's no presumption of innocence. You are presumed guilty, and you have to prove that you're innocent. And they've said things like that before, that somebody has to prove it. No, no, this is America. You have to prove it. They don't have to prove anything. But do you remember when the mainstream media omitted details on the Micaiah Bryant police shooting? And once again, thank God, the video is so important. I'm convinced without video... Kyle Rittenhouse would be in jail maybe for the rest of his life. It's so important. Finally, back in April, videos emerged of a police officer shooting a black teenager named Micaiah Bryant in Columbus, Ohio. And I will say, sidebar, thank God this was in Ohio and not in Minnesota, because Larry Ellison would have charged the police officer. Even with this evidence, I'm absolutely convinced. You can't obviously prove that, but I believe that. That, that would have been a totally different uh, reception that this would have gotten. 
But as it turns out, the individual who was shot lunged at another girl with a knife. It's a terrible look. It's a terrible situation because the police officer is choosing who lives and who dies. Is it you have to try to put yourself in that person's position? And all of her training told her it's a justifiable shooting. And think how fast you have to act. She comes onto the scene and this is happening. And now that I'm describing it, I know you remember this. Even if you don't remember the names or where it was or when it was. But when you see the girl lunging with the knife, the police officer had an impossible choice to make. And nothing about it is good, but it was justifiable. Without the video, you know how it would have turned out. Then there's this. CNN airs fake single mom story. And by the way, you're getting as much detail as I can give you in this segment, but there is extensive foxnews.com coverage on this. So go there and check it all out because I didn't get into Joy Reid. I didn't get into The View. I didn't get into a lot of these other things that happened in the, in the first example I gave you because I want to get them all in. But the CNN uh, story airing a fake single mom story, this was in August. CNN spotlighted a woman, Dasha, Dasha Kelly, who claimed to be the single mother of three children who were concerned about being evicted from their home after the federal moratorium was set to expire. In addition to promoting the story, CNN also advertised the GoFundMe account used to support Kelly, which raised approximately $230,000. Shortly afterward, though... Kelly clarified that she was not the mother of the three children, but was instead their father's girlfriend. The funds were later suspended, but Kelly also managed to appear on very um, various things. Uh, people like Representative Cory Bush and others later announced uh, things that um, were in conflict with the truth in this. So that makes the list. Interesting, right? The Lincoln Project admits to white supremacist political stunt against Glenn Youngkin. This is one of those things where usually it doesn't unfold in your favor. You get crushed with it. But I I have to give Glenn Youngkin credit as a political novice, but obviously he's very, very smart. Uh, He effectively pushed back This was in the days before the election, and the Democrat media had it all figured out. Terry McAuffle was going to be back in as governor. Surely there was no way in the Commonwealth of Virginia, which President Biden won by six points, there was just no way that this newcomer, Republican Glenn Youngkin, was going to win. So this whole situation, a reporter for an NBC affiliate, posted a photo of five people dressed in white shirts and khakis while holding tiki torches, standing in front of Yunkin's campaign bus. The image was meant to invoke comparisons to the 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, where several white nationalist groups organized a march, and then there was, of course, ensuing unrest, and all kinds of issues, and it led 
to the murder of a woman, and they wanted to set Governor Yunkin, who did go on to win the election, as you know, stunning, stunning victory over uh, – in, in Virginia, they have an interesting thing. They, they, you only serve one term and you're out. You can come back and run again like Terry McAuffle did, but they then they run for Senate or they run for a House seat. They run for whatever, and then they run for governor again like Terry McAuliffe did. So fortunately, the truth was able, and I, I didn't think it was, there was going to be enough time and I just thought they would just lie and continue because, look, that, look how long they ran Russia collusion, four years on President Trump. You have Adam Schiff still saying it. But they caught that it was a stunt. Glenn Youngkin aggressively, they were coming out against him for his failure to condemn white supremacy. The hoax was exposed his candidacy was saved. Here's another one. And this deserves to be in here. The liberal media misleading the American people about ivermectin. And then if somebody takes ivermectin, which obviously is both a human drug and a horse drug, but humans weren't taking a horse drug. But of course, that's what the Democrat media, and they still do it. You might remember, and this guy is a, is a monstrous podcaster, He's a ring announcer, too, in the UFC, Joe Rogan, comedian in his past. So he, he was talking about that he did his own protocol when he was COVID-19 positive, and he admitted that he took ivermectin, and the Democrat media went bananas. People like Ray, uh, Rachel Maddow and other usual suspects referring to him as taking a horse dewormer, horse medicine, and all of that, failing to recognize that ivermectin is a drug used on both humans and animals. So that one was debunked. 60 Minutes airs false claim on Governor, Governor Ron DeSantis. He also was masterclass in pushing back. 60 Minutes, they ran uh, an accusation where they deceptively edited a clip between Governor DeSantis and a reporter that suggested that a pay-to-play scheme regarding vaccination distribution was at play. It was in April. It's funny, a lot of bad stuff was going on in April. Sixty, and You can imagine why. You know what was going on. 60 Minutes aired footage of a press conference where the show's correspondent pressed DeSantis on awarding Publix a popular supermarket chain, if you're not aware of them, with hundreds of locations in Florida, and that there was some special deal with COVID-19 vaccines because they say DeSantis got a hefty campaign contribution and they, in turn, got all this curry favor in return. I give DeSantis credit. They edited the scene down, so they made it a totally fake narrative, and DeSantis was effectively able, and it's hard to do when you get crushed like that because others pick it up, he was able to put that one down. Uh, they never retracted or apologized for the mistake. That's bad business. 
the media pushed a false story about the border agents using whips against migrants. This one infuriated me because these are fat. And, you know, they did wrong. The president did wrong. The president immediately. It's like when it's like when by uh, when Obama and then the professor in Massachusetts, when they just wanted to see his ID, they wanted to make sure there was no problem. They didn't know it was his house. And, and the president, then Biden, or rather Obama, said that, you know, police did some stupid things. That's, a, that's the, always the knee-jerk reaction that you get from Obama, that you get from Biden. Just to share with you, they were riding their horses. They were – there are certain areas where the horses have been used for years because of the terrain. And now they're not using them. Even though they did nothing wrong – and the president said they're going to be disciplined. That was so irresponsible how that was handled. But they criticized the Border Patrol, of course, and they don't carry whips. And they were using their reins properly. And so what happens when they get it wrong? They just let it wither on the vine. Networks misled also on the Rittenhouse trial, and we've covered that a lot on the Guy Benson show. They, they made it look like it was... Um, a white supremacist, even though the shooter and every victim was white. This was blatant, purposeful uh, intellectual dishonesty to gin up racial division in our country. It was a disgrace. The truth prevailed, and the jury uh, found in Rittenhouse's favor. And remember, Washington Post downplaying the Russian dossier uh, when it came out, how completely bogus that was. Uh, media insists that CRT... Critical race theory is not taught in schools, even though there are countless examples that, in fact, it is. And even if it isn't directly in the curriculum, it's in the inner workings of what's happening. Inflation is downplayed or ignored by the media, even though it's the largest uh, single increase in almost 40 years. That's incredible. And that is your top 10 list. We'll be back. Much more. And Dr. Siegel coming up after the bottom of the hour. This is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in for Guy, who will be back on Monday. I'm working with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. Happy New Year's Eve Eve from The Guy Benson Show. Uh, disclaimer from, the, from your fill-in guy. This is not a gratuitous segment. It is earned. Fox News has finished 2021 with the largest audience in basic cable for the sixth consecutive year, and it was domination. And, you know, perhaps you've been a, a Nielsen family. That's what it's called, and you know what that is. Uh, and so they compile these things, and, and it really does matter. The Fox News Channel finished the fourth quarter of 2021 with its most watched quarter of the year. You know, you always whatever the business is, you always want to finish strong. You know, if you're a sports competitor, whatever it might be. So it's great to have a great fourth quarter. If you have a great fourth quarter, you usually win the football game, so on and so forth. And so dominating that the Fox News Channel, in so many different key demos, beats the liberal networks combined. CNN, MSNBC, both struggled to attract viewers. If you think about what's been going on, Fox News is always very strong, always very consistent. The liberal networks, every once in a while, they have like a little, a little 
fluke spike, maybe because of some geopolitical issue, or it could be because of an election or the hatred of Trump. I've long maintained, and I knew it was going to come true, and I said it uh, on my own program, not when I'm here visiting as your fill-in guy. I've said it so many times that Fox is always solid and the other ones are just not even really competitive except for rare occasions that go away. So there's nothing, there's nothing good about that. And, and I knew when they didn't have President Trump, and they still, if you notice, that's all they've got. They still cover President Trump. They haven't, they haven't remembered to remember he's not the president for almost a year. But that's all they had. They had a year of Russia collusion. They had a year of talking about President Trump, uh, what Melania is wearing. When have you ever heard of a, a beautiful fashion model that wasn't on one in one fashion magazine for four years? It's just incredible. But for four years, that's what they had. And when you look, I mean, this is utter dominance. Fox News outdrew MSNBC and CNN combined among weekday total viewers. And you could go on and on and on in the coveted demos. And I don't have time in this segment because the time is my enemy right now. But from America Reports with Sandra Smith and John Roberts, all the way through to Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo, you're talking about a ton of programs that have all had their most watched quarters ever. Gutfeld, Dana, Hammer, uh, Faulkner Focus, The Five, Fox and Friends, Fox News Primetime, which I think is awesome, by the way, with the rotating way that they do it. Awesome. Brett Baer is incredible. The story with Martha McCallum, Neil, Fox and Friends Weekend, all of them. Congratulations to Fox News. You did it again. This is The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy back on Monday. Isn't that great? He'll be well-rested. He'll be ready to go. And can you imagine how much your host is going to have to say to you anytime you leave, even just for a quick holiday, which he's earned? So much happens. There's been so many things that have gone on during the holiday season. It's not been a quiet new season at all. Verdicts of trials. I mean, there's so many things that Guy is going to be speaking about starting on Monday. Can't wait uh, to hear. Partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan, we wish you a very happy New Year's Eve Eve from the Guy Benson Show. And I want to talk, I think, in the the last um, long-form segment of this program, we should focus on COVID-19, what's going on, some of the things the CDC is saying. They're actually coming out with um, recommendations uh, yesterday and, and today even. Uh, the FDA is um, close to allowing booster shots for 12 to 15-year-olds. That's not presently in play. And we've got a lot to fill you in on. We're going to be joined in a moment by Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News medical correspondent, the author of COVID, The Politics of Fear, 
and the power of science. You can follow Dr. Siegel, and believe me, he's worth following his Twitter handle, at Dr. Mark with a C, Mark Siegel. Dr. Siegel, welcome to The Guy Benson Show. It's Harry. Hey, Harry. How are you? I am very well. Happy New Year to you, sir. Thanks for all you do. Of course. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. Right back. I thank you for that. So we're, we're getting close to boosters for the 12 to 15-year-olds. What does Dr. Siegel say about that? I think there's been too much microanalysis of whatever the CDC is saying or confusing. I think it's better that we just get the message right rather than worry about the politics of it. Because what the CDC is trying to do is get as many people vaccinated and boosted as possible and then get as many people back to work as possible and understanding that the quarantine aspects of this are lessening because it's everywhere. So if it's everywhere, it's kind of foolish to be isolating half the population when the other half is spreading it anyway, right? I think so. so. So that's what they're trying to do. The thing that's missing there, and if you accept all of these things as tools, Harry, the thing that's missing there are several tools we were supposed to have, which is rapid tests. Yeah. You know, I, if they don't work as well against Omicron, but they do work against it, especially if you do a repeated one. I'd like a glut of these things. You know, I'd like to be able to use them at the tail end of those five days. And by the way, a key feature of that five-day isolation period, if you have COVID, is that the last three days of it, you have to have no symptoms. I don't want people to think that the CDC is suggesting you go parading back at work while you're still sick. That's yeah. not the case. But I'd like a rapid test. In terms of the 12 to 15-year-old group you talked about, listen, if you gave a teenager the vaccine to begin with, and more and more data is coming out that they did quite well, by the way, very rare side effects. A lot of hoop and holler was made out of the myocarditis in the 12 to 15-year-old group of boys, but nobody bothers to follow up with that and say, well, the risk of that is about two in 100,000 association, but the risk of getting myocarditis from COVID in that group is about two in 100. Hmm. So I'm very comfortable giving those age groups the vaccine. And of course, you have to follow it up with a booster, because like with any other age group, unfortunately, it's waning over time. Dr. Siegel, this um, failure in terms of the um, administration not treating as a priority, and I have to say it that way, because, I mean, as recently as October, experts came to the president and said, look, it is, you know, the, these waves happen in the winter. We're going to need like 700 and some million testing kits. We, we need to be able to have that for the American people. And you know this is happening right now. You have people waiting for two, three, four, five hours to be tested. They're out in the cold, some of them not feeling well at all and with their little kids with them and, when, and they're standing out there. I mean, I just think this is a disgrace. It's way longer than October. Michael oh, yeah. went up at Harvard, who's, ne- yeah. who's now at EMED, and myself. Many of us were saying we need rapid tests, period, because we don't want people going outside to get tested. You know, roaming around with stick, it should have been in every household. You know, long, be- long before uh, October. It's not a matter of even when somebody tells the president. The president knew, his staff knew that many of us were asking for this and asking for this. And it's not just the test, Harry. It's also the treatments. 
Yes. You know, you remember something called Operation Warp Speed? Sir, yes. When, and when everything was ra- was ready to rock and roll because the drug companies had been paid in advance? That's a business model. That worked. So the first thing the Biden administration did when they came in was criticize that. Well, there's only a couple hundred million doses. There's only a couple million doses out there on day one. Well, how much of the Pfizer drug is out there on day one? You know, prepayment does wonders. I mean, I hate, I'm not trying to paint the drug companies as soulless, but it does wonders to get things produced, doesn't it? Oh, sure. And, and you know it's a bad day when actually the, the Biden administration is bragging about their COVID test strip factory that, oh, by the way, will take three years to build. I mean, that that is crazy to to even say that while people are so dispirited over the lack of uh, testing opportunities that are going on. I just think there's a lot that should have been done. And you're right. It was as recent as October that experts came to the president. But you're right. It was well before that as well. This is actually a failure of leadership, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of wonder if the single note coming out of the administration, and it's actually my favorite note, too. I'm not criticizing this note, which is vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. I like that note, too. But I'm wondering if that note is too political in that it's obscuring therapeutics, which really work quite well, and testing, which is extremely important. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I had a choice, and I don't have a choice, I should have both, but if I had a choice between choosing a rapid test before somebody's going into a venue versus a waning vaccine, I might actually choose the test. And so they should have had both. And they didn't, I think they went with the premise that the vaccine was going to prevent transmission to the point where mandating it made sense. It actually doesn't decrease transmission to that point, as we're seeing today with 488,000 cases, 48, many of whom are reinfected. So nothing works perfectly, neither recovery from previous previous variants or the boosted vaccine. You still can get infected. So it goes to something that Bob Redfield said to me weeks ago, which I think is prescient, which is he said, the more immunity, the better. Doesn't matter how you get it. Doesn't matter. You know, doesn't let's not be proud. If you got over covid, let's count that. If you if you have the vaccine, let's count that. If you're if you get a booster, even better. And what, what's turning out to be prescient about that is unvaccinated people who never had COVID are getting the sickest from Omicron. Those that had yes. COVID and and boosted are getting the least, the mildest symptoms. Should so we, the more yeah. immunity, the better. I know you got to get out of here in about three minutes. We'll, let's get as much as we can in with Dr. Siegel on The Guy Benson Show. Are you concerned, if this is accurate, what I'm about to tell you, and I've, and I've now heard it from a number of serious people, that CDC... We know this is true. They said that 73% of COVID-19 cases were the Omicron variant. Now they have corrected themselves, it appears, and they're saying 22.5%. Now, I don't mind. Look, if it was 73 and they're correcting it, that it's 68 or even 59, and they're in the ballpark, this is 50.7% off. What happened? Actually, Harry, I'm glad you brought that up because it's been sticking in my craw. And something that you and I do well is correct. Misinf- I hate the word misinformation. I shouldn't say that, but we cor- we give a different perspective. And I want to I want to push back on this and say, look, the CDC is dealing at a mo- moving target here. I'm not trying to defend them. I think they should get their facts right. They're dealing at a moving target, and they're not used to being a reactive organization anyway. With the flu season, they look back in April and they'll tell you how many cases there were. April, not not one day later. 
And Omicron is swarming across the country. And so one day they say 73%, the next day they say 22%, and now the third day they say 58 59%. i got to tell you the truth. It's very hard to track this. And what matters is that it's becoming increasingly – my joke on this is, okay, they got it wrong, but by tomorrow it'll be 73%. So I actually don't care about this okay. because it's a swarming predominant strain. I'm glad I'm showing a I'm glad I asked showing a basic it's not it's not showing a basic incompetence on the part of the okay. CDC it's not it's show it's showing how difficult this actually is and by the way it actually doesn't matter because it's going to be 100% soon like it was in South Africa 90% I'm buying what you're selling, and it's probably really important that I pose that question because I trust you. America trusts you. You're a straight shooter. And I will tell you, I mean, for example, 20 percent of the New York Police Department are out with COVID-19. That I'm, I'm a, a twin brother of a retired policeman, uh, so I know my facts on this stat. That's 6,600 New York police officers out. That's the size of the Philadelphia Police Department. So this is right now it is spreading like wildfire. I have uh, nurses and nurse practitioners in my immediate family. They're seeing more cases than they've ever seen in the entire pandemic. So it is Omicron. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on team Dr. Siegel and not get hung up on 73, 22.5, 50, whatever, and just say it's out there. It's happening. Final question, because I know you have to go. School closures, virtual learning, something you and I have talked about. We have visited during the entire pandemic, you and I, and you with Guy on the Guy Benson Show. What are your thoughts about what's happening? Universities and other schools, they're going back to the virtual learning. I think they're not following the science. The president said kids are safe at school as anywhere else. What's going on here? A shout-out to Ashish Jha from Brown University, the dean of the School of Public Health, a friend of mine, been on my radio program multiple times for standing up to this nonsense and saying Brown's, Brown is open. You know, and because, look, even Tony Fauci said to me a year ago on the radio it, that a university is a built-in quarantine situation. What does that mean? You can isolate people. You can test people. You can make sure they're vaccinated if you want. You can count natural immunity if you want. You have it all. And you can keep them away from the rest of the community if you want. You know what you can't do, Harry? You can't do that when you send them home, can you? No. And you can't do that when you close schools everywhere. So the, 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 it is idiocy to be considering closing any schools because not only do you do tremendous psychological and physical damage, not only don't you get immunizations with kids, not only don't you pick up developmental delay in young children, not only do you get rid of pe people making friendships, but on top of that, you spread more virus. And, and that for sure, that's going to be true with Omicron, which is so contagious. So it's, it, it's all politics, and keeping schools open is public health. And my hats off to, to Ashish Jad Brown, who's been very vocal on this. Dr. Siegel, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Great to be on with you, Harry. Happy New Year. Thank you, sir. We're going to be back, and when we come back, I promise you, we have to honor the doctrine, the Guy Benson doctrine. This is the happy hour. And if you're keeping a scorecard, I said at the very beginning, we told the truth. I said there's going to be some stuff in this hour. It's not going to be so happy, but that there will be happiness in this hour, which is called the happy hour, after all. And I am thrilled to say that it's my privilege when we come back to present the final segment with Wyatt and Dan in a special panel discussion about the coming new year. This is The Guy Benson Show. 
Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Happy hour. Harry Hurley filling in for Guy, who will be back on Monday, and you know he's going to be ready to go. So much, so much for him to catch you up with. Uh, I'm with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Honored to be with you all. Thank you for the opportunity to work with you quite a bit over the last week, week and a half. Uh, this is the Guy Benson Show. One serious news item, and then we're going to get to our panel discussion. Fox News has received a statement from Press Secretary Jen Psaki on President Biden's phone call with President Vladimir Putin of Russia. President Joseph R. Biden Jr. spoke today with President Vladimir Putin of Russia. President Biden urged Russia to de-escalate tensions with Ukraine. He made clear that the United States and its allies and partners will respond decisively if Russia further invades Ukraine. President Biden also expressed support for diplomacy starting early next year with the bilateral strategic stability dialogue at NATO through the NATO-Russia Council and at the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. President Biden reiterated that substantive progress in these dialogues can occur only in an environment of de-escalation rather than escalation. And just as an opinion host, I think that's a terrific statement and let it be true and, and let it be so. Uh, it is my honor to introduce first Dan and then Wyatt, and we're each going to share our 2022 New Year wish. Dan? Well, as I told you uh, before, I didn't get to see my family for the holidays, which was which was sad to me. And, and you know, most of the year I haven't been able to see them. So I hope we can figure more out with this pandemic and the virus that I could see more of my family next year. And, uh, you know, that would be make a great 2022 for me. And, you know, you were one of the people I was speaking about without saying your name when I mentioned earlier in the program about people that were separated. And that was the first time in your life that you were not with your family on Christmas, Ever. wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first time I haven't seen my mom or my sister in, in Christmas in my entire life. So it was, it was upsetting, but hopefully we get through this all together and, uh, and, and move forward. Very real makes it, you know, exactly what everybody has been dealing with, with with this. And, Dan, I appreciate you showing your heart. Wyatt, your message. Um, my message is in, in hopes for the New Year's to, to get this pandemic behind us and to maybe travel more and just, uh, you know, put all the, the, the masks and everything behind us and move forward. Which would not be beautiful. My message is a wish for 2022 that everyone stay safe, healthy. Let's prosper together in 2022. Let's get America back together. We have to, as a nation, find the path to come back together. We are more divided as a nation than we have ever been since the Civil War. We've got to knock it off. We have to find a way to not make everything political. Vaccines should not be political. I understand that the media at times it's just great desire to divide America because it's interesting. We were divided into red and blue states. It never was that way before. It shouldn't be that way now. So my message is one of hope, optimism. I, I want to second what Wyatt said and what Dan said and Wyatt's message of a moment ago that we can put this pandemic behind us. Another wish that I have for everyone is that we go as a nation and the world from pandemic to endemic. And then when you hear about somebody with COVID-19, you won't worry. Are they going to be one of the lucky ones that makes it, which are most, or are they going to be one of the unlucky ones? 
that doesn't make it. I want to take this opportunity to thank Guy Benson for 2021 and Christine and Wyatt and Dan for all the opportunities. Guy doesn't take much time off, but when he does, uh, you call on me once in a while. And in this business, when someone trusts you to do their show, it is the highest compliment that they can ever give you. So that is meaningful to me. I appreciate the opportunity to work with this great team at The Guy Benson Show. Wyatt, Happy New Year. Dan, Happy New Year. Christine, Happy New Year. And thanks for the opportunity in 2021. And let's have a blessed 2022. Let's make it a great one. On behalf of the entire team, Christine, Wyatt, Dan, and of course, Guy Benson, I'm Harry Hurley. This is The Guy Benson Show. See you next year. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.